Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, a Colorado woman faces jail time for the hate crime of tearing up a pro-police sign. An excess of lawyers may be responsible for an excess of warning labels. And Connor takes the Guess the Verdict Challenge. Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Deal Board. We have a special episode today. Uh, I wouldn't say it's our most fun episode, but it's very important. Uh, We're talking about cybersecurity and how cybersecurity risks affect small businesses. Yeah, it affects all kinds of businesses. So you're seeing it today in the headlines. You saw that uh, the biggest meat producer in the world got hit. Uh, you saw CNA, the P- the very people that are insuring people against cyber risk and cyber crime got hit for $40 million. And you saw some of the other headlines, right? Yeah. I, I mean, like, it feels like, you know, the, the fairies from Martha's Vineyard, but it feels like every week we're seeing more of these headlines. But they're not just, these cyber attacks are not just limited to the larger businesses. Um, You know, we have seen, and and Andy, we can talk a little bit about this. We have seen cyber hackers go after small businesses. Um, We've seen people go after the deals and the deal world that we're doing. So what we wanted to do today is bring on two experts that can really talk about two different sides of how to protect yourself from cyber. And the the, uh, second person we interviewed is Christian Espinoza. And Christian is a cybersecurity expert. He built and sold a company just doing that for much, much larger companies, um, you know, some that are multi-millions of dollars. And what I thought was interesting that Christian talked about, I won't spoil it too much, but is the people side, right? So we can put all these policies in place, but you still have to address training and systems with your people to make sure we're all taking the right actions. Yeah. And we have also Michael Drath, who is our insurance provider here at Transworld, one of our insurance partners. He does a great job of helping us be covered with cybercrime insurance and cyber insurance. And we have seen it where people in deals uh, send out an email saying wire instructions and hackers are on it right away. So just a hint out there, if you ever have involved in a deal, you never want to use the word wire instructions or send wire instructions via via email. It is like the messy no-no here at Transworld. All, all the title insurance companies and banks understand that now as well, that you have to verbally or in person uh, give out these wire instructions. But it's become a real problem. I've seen a few deals in our industry where uh, $80,000 was wired to a hacker. I saw $40,000 wired to a hacker. So another deal, $35,000. I mean, those numbers aren't crushing, but we're, what are we, one, two zeros away from it just ruining a deal? Yeah. We, and I mean, it's, it's very important in our deal world. We're also seeing it more in the commercial real estate and residential real estate. Actually, one of our residential real estate partners had a buyer wire $400,000 to a hacker. 
Um, so it's super important when you're working through these deals that you're following the policies and procedures, your brokers, your title companies, your lawyers have in place. I know it's super easy to just respond with your wiring instructions, but um, you know we've been we've been tracking this at Transworld with all our deals and making sure we have policies and procedures in place. But it is a target. So if you're sitting here and you've been listening to our show for a while and you're buying businesses or you're thinking about selling, I know that's the last step in the process, right? Like sending the wire or sending your information so you can get paid. But it's really important that you're doing those wire instructions in person or via the phone with the title company, with the closing attorney, whoever's handling that escrow. Yeah. And even before that, if you're selling your business, you may want to consider getting cyber crime and cyber liability in place before you sell. Now you're thinking, I'm selling my business. Why do I want to bring on another expense? Well, there'll be some protocols that you have to go through to get that insurance that will help sell your business. And then God forbid, if something happens during the transaction, you can be covered. So it might be worth a thousand, couple thousand dollars to get cyber insurance as you list your business as well. And we'll be talking more about that. Yeah. I'm sure. And Michael has some insight to that. And it's not as expensive as you would think. So we've got two great interviews today. We hope this brings a lot of value to you. Um, not just we're trying not to just deliver value on like how to buy and sell businesses, but also how to increase the value of your business, how to protect your businesses. So I'm really excited for this show. We also have a great deal of the week and listing of the week as always. As always, let's get to it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Welcome back, everybody. And we have another fantastic interview for you lined up with the deal board. I have with me here, Christian Espinoza. He's an entrepreneur, a cybersecurity engineer, a certified high-performance coach, professor, and lover of heavy metal music and spicy food. He's also an Air Force veteran and Ironman triathlete. Christian used to value being the smartest guy in the room only to realize that his greatest contribution to fight against cybercrime is his ability to bring awareness to the issue through effective effective communication and leadership training. Christian is a speaker, coach, trainer in the secure methodology, helping make the smartest people in the room the best leaders in the field. In his best-selling book, The Smartest Person in the Room, Christian shows leaders how to leverage their company's smartest minds to benefit to the benefit of the company and the employees themselves. So Christian, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so, so much for having me, Jessica. Thanks for the great intro. You're welcome. Well, I gave your professional, you know, polished intro, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your journey as an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's my journey as an entrepreneur. I, I used to work for the corporate world for many, many years. I valued... Uh, the stable nine to five job for a long time. I didn't have a lot of stability growing up. I grew very, grew up very poor with a kind of chaotic childhood. So I always wanted the, you know, picket fence and the, the go to work every day and do the same thing and come back. And that sort of stability that came with the nine to five. Um, but then I had a moment where I sort of had a run in with a CEO of a company and I decided to just quit without having another job lined up. 
And that was the first time I'd ever done that. So I, I, I quit that job and then decided to, to do freelance work. And I did that for about six years. And it was very <clears throat> simple. I was making like a fair amount of money, like being a solopreneur, as they like to say. Um, but I got bored with it. So then I decided, what's the next thing I can do? So in 2014, I thought the next thing I can do is start a business where I hire people and kind of rally everybody behind a vision and grow an organization. I felt like that would force me to grow and I would contribute to, uh, to the economy by, by you know, creating jobs. And I would also contribute to my industry by filling a lot of the gaps that I saw in the industry. So it's kind of like, you know, the short synopsis of my entrepreneur, or at least starting point of my entrepreneur. And well, we will get to the, well, the exit point um, yeah, yeah. For, in a little bit. So we'll save that for our next set of questions, but so let's paint the picture for everybody. So um, your book is about the cybersecurity <clears throat> war and um, you're an expert in that. Tell us what, like, what is the cybersecurity war? The cybersecurity security war is kind of the war that we can't see. It's going on like, Right now, like your computer is trying to be compromised by somebody, your company is trying to be compromised, your car is trying to be compromised, the factory down the street is trying to be compromised. <clears throat> so it's just like invisible war that's going on all the time. And unfortunately, the only time we hear about it is when there's a data breach and your credit card information is stolen or your medical records are stolen or the hospital's closed because of ransomware. So that's typically when we hear about it, but the war is going on all the time. And my book is about why we're losing that war. It's not so much we're lacking in technology or lacking in frameworks. It's really about the egos and the personality types that are in cybersecurity or even in other highly technical careers. There's a lot of people that want to be smarter than other people. And when you're always positioning, positioning yourself that way, it makes it hard to collaborate and hard to make you don't know something because that's kind of dropping your guard a little bit. And those issues manifest in a way that has really, in my opinion, uh, caused us to not communicate very well, not collaborate very well, and ultimately has hindered our ability to win that cybersecurity war. If we were winning, uh, we, we, we wouldn't hear on the news every day another you know, major data breach that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. So it's not like we're not losing the war because of technology. We're losing the war because of our human fallibility, right? And our, our mm -hmm. need and our want for significance in life. Very, very interesting. And exactly. Very yeah. apt perspective on what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So most of our listeners, like we talked about small business owners, like how would this appear in their business? Yeah, so small business owners, a lot of them, you know, are focused because I, you know, I used to be a small business owner myself. Uh, we're focused on on keeping the business going and growing and keeping cash coming in and keeping our clients happy, doing our core business. And cybersecurity is often um, not really thought of until it's too late. So what small business owners should be doing is considering cybersecurity sooner than later. Uh, because what often happens is if it's not considered, there could be a data breach where client records are stolen. And what happens to a lot of small businesses is if the small business's client database is stolen, now that small business has to pay credit, credit 
monitoring fees for all those customers. And those credit monitoring fees, I've seen it take businesses, small businesses, and put them out of business because they, they can't afford all those credit monitoring fees, uh, fees of like, you know, 10,000 client records that were stolen. So it's important to look at this sooner than later. Uh, and it's, it's just like your business. Cybersecurity is a, is a journey from, uh, you know, infancy to, uh, you know, adulthood. You have to mature. So it's better to kind of like start early and find out what the biggest risks are and start reducing those risks. And that could be something like as simple as your employees don't understand what a phishing email looks like. And if they don't understand that, they could fall to a, a scam where somebody sends something from, you know, the CEO that looks like the CEO to an executive assistant uh, to go carry out a, t- a task, but the task is a bogus task. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, we see that a lot in small businesses. Or like the, you know, go get me thousands of dollars in gift cards and ship yeah, it yeah, to this country I've never been to, right? So uh, it's an interesting play here because like, even in small businesses, this concept of smartest person in the room appears, right? And some of us have done training and things like that with our staff and our employees. And and maybe we run into that smartest person in the room mentality, not in like big tech and sharing, but just in somebody who thinks that they they know the right way. And, and maybe they do fall for one of those phishing scams and, and expose the business. How, like, how, tell us a little bit about in the book, like how you talk about combating that smartest person in the room mentality. So I talk about uh, the source of the mentality. And you, you mentioned it earlier, Jessica, you know, you know we, we all seek significance, right? And in highly technical career fields, such as cybersecurity, people, seek significance by being smarter, intellectually smarter than other people, you know, that's how they perceive it. So we, our ego will do whatever it can to protect, to protect our identity. So if identity is that we're smarter than other people, we'll look for ways to prove that. Uh, and, and the, I have a seven step methodology in the book. And the first step is awareness. So having some awareness uh, of that within yourself and the six human needs, as I like to call them, uh, with certainty, significance, love, connection, um, uncertainty, or variety, and growth and contribution. We all, we all gravitate towards two of those, typically significance and certainty. So having some awareness of that and awareness of how that plays out is like the first step. Um, but awareness is sort of like knowledge. It's not any good unless you can do something with it. So being able to, when you find yourself posturing as the smartest person in the room, like do a control C, like in, in, you know, computer talk and like stop the program that's running in your head and be able to step back and, and, and take a different um, step or different, you know, react differently or have a different pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It's interesting, you know, we start this talk about cybersecurity and we we're talking now about the six, uh, six human needs, but it all <laughs> plays together, right? Because <laughs> we can't yes. win a cybersecurity war or really win in business without that human awareness component. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and in my business, I wrote the book through my journey of uh, my company, Alpine Security, uh, about my experience in Alpine Security. And one of the things I realized quickly was the biggest problems I had in my business, uh, my business was cybersecurity. They were not technical problems. They were all um, people problems. So it was one of my highly technical staff upsetting a client, upsetting another staff member. It was rarely that 
somebody did not know how to do something technically. It was almost never that. It was always the other way around. So, cause I used to hire for technical aptitude first and then people skills last. And then I flipped that over and I never even look at the people, the, the technical skills, unless they have the people skills and the cultural fit as well. So let's talk a little bit about your business because I t- kind of teased it for the, the uh, listeners, but you recently exited your company. Um, you told us a little bit about the beginning part of that journey. W- what was the impetus or what, what was this decision to sell? What did that process look like for you? My decision, it wasn't, I didn't have a decision to sell initially. I got to the point in my journey because I funded the business myself. I didn't have any investors. So I got to the point that I was getting exhausted, (laughs) exhausted of the let's increase revenue so we can afford to hire somebody else and then increase revenue again, afford to hire somebody else. And this whole like sort of like long slog because we were a services organization. And I thought, you know, this is, this is very laborious. So I need to like either find a private equity investor or consider an acquisition. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to this uh, genius network meeting and I brought that up as like why I showed up there was to find a PE investor. And uh, this guy approached me and said, you know, what are you looking to do? And I, and I mentioned the problem I just described, you know, this, I wanted to grow quickly, but not have to go through this whole thing. I wanted some investment dollars. And he, he asked me a bunch of really hard questions, which I didn't have all the answers to which really forced me to sort of step back and, and look at my business more from like a shareholder or an investor perspective versus my own perspective, which really forced me to dial in my, you know, that, that, that year's plan better our, our, and really focus on what our brand stood for, what our sandboxes we wanted to play for or play in, what customers we wanted to attract, which ones we wanted to repel, and really get a lot of things dialed in much better than I would than I thought we had dialed in. Very interesting. Yeah, it is the the process makes you look at your business differently through different mm-hmm. lens. And, and we say a lot on the show too, it, it also makes you look at from instead of a growth lens, like now let's look at it through an acquisition lens, like if you were standing in the buyer's shoes. So what lessons did you learn through the sale process that you think would be helpful to some of our listeners? The, the the biggest lesson uh, is is going through the what what I ref, it's called the one page strategic plan. People, you probably heard of that before, but really getting that dialed in because it forces you to look at like what our niche is, uh, what our marketing plan is, and a lot of the things that a uh, potential buyer is going to look for as well. So to have clarity on that is extremely important. And then to have systems behind that that support that clarity because it's, you know, one of the mistakes I made earlier, uh, and I think a lot of small businesses do this, is we're kind of low on cash, so we, we just take in, you know, all the clients we can get, and sometimes we take in ones that are a little too far left or too far right, and they're sort of out of our zone, but we make exceptions, and that sounds great at the time, but it's not scalable. So what I really got clarity on through the one-page strategic plan was what our niches how we're going to target that niche uh, and how we're going to play in just that area and differentiate ourselves. And then how we're going to ignore everybody else and how our messaging, which should be a little polarizing, only attracts the people that we want to deal with. Because we had a lot of, a lot of clients that um, 
were very difficult to deal with. And they really, we didn't make any money off them because of the, how difficult they were. And I realized that they weren't in alignment with our values as an organization. So you didn't want to attract those sort of clients anymore. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. I mean, and in, in doing all that process, you, you differentiate yourself as a company, right? Mm-hmm. To make it more attractive, not just to clients, but to investors, to buyers, to, you know, the entire space we're talking about. So yeah, I'm a big fan of the one page strategic plan we've worked mm-hmm. on in our company. We've talked about, I think a little bit here, but not specifically. Yeah. So you've been a cybersecurity expert, built a successful company, sold it. Like what's, and, and I, I rattled off in your bio, you got a lot of things going on, but what's your focus now? Like what's, what's the next, you know, year, two years look like for you? So, uh, I have an Ironman triathlon on Sunday. So, that, <laughs> so that's the first. That's, that's, my, that's, my, that's a personal life. focus. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It'll be the first one in like two years. So that's, <laughs> that's a short-term focus. Uh, with my company that bought my company, Cerberus Sentinel, uh, we're working to get uplisted to the NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. So my focus is on helping them achieve that objective. Uh, we're on the OTC right now, but achieve the objective of getting uplisted. And then I'm also working on uh, a course which aligns with my book and it covers the secure methodology I talk about in the book, which is really geared for technical leaders to help them become a better leader themselves from a self-leadership perspective and lead their teams better. Because I'm always, uh, I've always been a believer that in business or in anything in life that, uh, especially business, that your business is basically a mirror of you. So if you've only like improved so much internally, then your business is going to be a reflection of that. So, and that's why I've done a lot of personal self-development work on myself. And I think going through having clarity on what you want to do personally also shows up in how you run your business as well. Yeah. It's, it's exactly like that mantra is like the business can only grow as much as the leader does. Right. Yes. It's exactly yeah. totally yeah. true. Yes. <laughs> So tell our listeners if they want to follow up with you, talk further, learn more about you. We're also going to link to your book in the show notes too. So if anybody wants to read Christian's book, again, it's called um, The Smartest Guy in the Room. We're going to link to that in the show notes. But Christian, how can people follow up uh, with you and interact? Yeah, they can go to my website. It's christianespinoza.com or they can find me on LinkedIn or any other social media. And my book is available on Amazon as well. Okay. Perfect. And we'll link all those in the show notes too. Christian, I really appreciate your time and coming on the deal board and we hope to hear from you again soon. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. It's been great. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Okay. Welcome back, everybody. It is deal of the week. And I have two guests uh, this morning, which I'm this morning, this afternoon, which I'm very happy to have Chris Bruner and Bill Kleinschrote from Transworld Business Advisors of Gulf Coast. And they did a nice deal recently that we wanted to talk about. We are seeing more and more of these types of uh, breweries, microbreweries being sold out there in the world. And uh, Chris and Bill just handled one. So I'll let either one of you jump in and start telling the story. Afternoon, Andy. Um, so this is actually funny. This was a previous client whose coffee shop I sold about a little over a year ago with some qualified buyers that uh, led to this great opportunity of this uh, Shark Clean Brewery. Uh, they were previously listed or at the time listed with an MA brokerage firm who specialized in breweries. 
uh, with little to no success. They uh, only brought them one buyer who lowballed them. Uh, with that selling that opportunity, we were able to run our full process. Uh, this business was a distressed brewery, but uh, Oyster City, a strategic buyer out of Panhandle, was expanding along the East Coast and Panhandle of Florida and more towards West towards us. Uh, list price was at 1.4 million. Uh, on 9-320, we had an offer at 915,000. Had it uh, worked its way, its way up and on a week later to about 1.235, buyers backed out. Um, plenty of buyer activity, seven to eight months later, these buyers came back around and uh, had an LOI for 1.35 and closed it in two to three weeks. That's a great story. I mean, it's all about finding the right buyer at the right time. And Bill, I mean, you ran the process and that's what we do here at Transworld, right? That's correct. I think, uh, as you mentioned, timing's uh, almost everything in a business sale. It's not everything, but but being able to get a uh, evaluation that uh, that really achieved the seller's needs in this case, they had a tremendous amount of debt and build out to this whole brewery, which was just fabulous. Uh, it was a great, great location, great assets, uh, top of the line equipment and brewery uh, manufacturing. Everything about it was really nice. It was just make money and um you know when <laughs> when you don't make money uh you know, there's no cash flow valuation so you have to really get into the assets and and what you have to sell and and uh finding a buyer that needs those assets is at the end of the day what what we were trying to find yeah it sounds like a good deals for good people uh as we always say and it sounds like you found the right buyers anything else that you wanted to uh, talk about the deal I'd say we're we're excited, being that it's a couple blocks from our office downtown. It's actually bringing in really good beer to our market, so we're we're ready to go uh, go enjoy it. They got about I don't know an eight week transition period to get their beer in production. So uh, in a few weeks, we'll be uh, we'll be enjoying Oyster City beer here in downtown Mobile. And we are seeing valuations for beverage companies just skyrocket once they do get traction. So, uh, you know, best of best of luck to those buyers because that you could create a lot of value pretty quick. No question about it. So if uh, more people with uh, breweries want to get in touch with you uh, and find the right buyer or anybody in the Gulf Coast region, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Chris Bruner, C. Bruner at tworld.com, 251-237-1030. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, Bill, thank you so much for being our partner in the whole Gulf Coast region. Uh, look forward to many more deals of the week with you guys. Thanks, Andy. Have a good one. Welcome back to the deal board, everybody. And today, as you know, we're talking about business protection and as small business owners, what risks do we need to be aware of in today's environment? And I have a specialist in that area, Michael Drath joining us today. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the deal board and welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Michael, why don't you start by just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, so I've been in the property and casualty business, strictly doing commercial insurance the last 13 or so years. And I've been working a lot with Andy and his group the last 12 years or so, sort of as an in-house insurance consultant, 
and some of those consulting opportunities lead to business, of course. Um, but sometimes it's just behind the scenes. So fortunately, with that relationship, I've seen a lot of businesses, all different kinds, a lot of different industries. And uh, I guess it's about nine years ago, I went off on my own and started my own agency. And about six months in, I partnered with uh, three gentlemen down in Miami that had a software company for logistics called Magaya. Um, they're doing very well. So uh, we took my insurance expertise and their software expertise and we built Magaya Insurance. And, you know, it's given me an interesting perspective on cyber liability because I have partners that are in the software business. And I, of course, handle the software company's insurance. And, you know, it, it, it's relevant across across all industries, this type of insurance. So I, I'll leave it at that. I don't know if you want me to keep going, but. Yeah, no, and we're going to dive into some of your expertise now. Like, um, okay. you know, we appreciate your all your partnership with Transworld and things like that. But you mentioned cyber, right? So there's this generalist term and, you know, new, uh, I guess, worry for businesses of like, what kind of cyber risks are out there? Why don't you expand upon that a bit? Because I know there's a couple different like categories and not just general cyber insurance, right? Yeah, and it, it it's interesting because, you know, like everything, you don't think about it until something happens and then you realize how extensive a loss or issue is, you know, with your home. Um, but with cyber insurance, you know, it could be anywhere, anything that we're familiar with, like ransomware and hacking. Uh, but you don't realize that what the policy offers, you don't realize the expense for PR expense and forensic recovery of your data and the legal expenses and you know sometimes you actually have to pay the ransomware attack um you know and that's all good you also then maybe have the business interruption from it so you can have that angle covered as well you know there's first party and third party risks to it you know you might get sued by your client and then you also have all the damage to your own company Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of scary stuff out there right now and really important for businesses to pr be protected. But um, I mean, it's not just these cyber risks, right? So there's there's other kinds of risks with, um, you know, wire fraud and some um, employee dishonesty policies, right? Right, exactly. So it's interesting. I mean, you may think it's automatically cyber fraud because something happened, you got hacked. Um, then you come to find out your employee was involved and it becomes an employee dishonesty claim, and that falls under crime insurance. Um, or, you know, as you look at some of these um, wire transfer fraud claims, it depends who it who hit enter on the wire. You know, was it the attorney? Was it your company? You know, was it the bank? So some of that creates where the liability falls. You know, and then they get into whose whose server was hacked. And, you know, whose information was lost, you know, your, your server may be hacked, but then it was used to gain, you know, infiltrate someone else's system, one of your clients, because it then they use that information to get into theirs. So there's third party parts of it as well. You know, so it can get very extensive, you know, and that's the great thing with these policies. I mean, even my own partners, you know, it's important for them to have a policy and not try and tackle an issue internally always. Um, I'll just give you a brief example. I had a law firm that had a claim. Um, they had like a $50,000 ransomware attack one morning 
and we put the claim in. The next day, FBI and Homeland Security were there in their office. You know, you can't get that. You don't do that on your own. You know, it takes the insurance company and their response team sometimes to get what you really need done right away. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, you know, it, while you're talking, I'm thinking like as a small business owner myself and many listeners, this is like really overwhelming, right? It's just when you're thinking about all the new risks that we're facing in this connected environment. And I, I guess my question is like, how do you, what do you do to recommend to business owners? Like what's the first step to avoid that overwhelm? Is it to have a conversation with you? Are there certain policies? Like how do you get the business owner from like, overwhelm and sticking their head in the sand about these issues to actually getting right um, the right policies in place? Great question. Uh, so there's really a few ways to kind of soften the blow. I mean, first of all, sometimes I'll just start with some of the prices before we even start talking. I mean, you can get different limits. Uh, you could sometimes, and then I guess this will be kind of my takeaway for today. Uh, you know, anyone can go ask their current insurer right now if they'll add cyber and crime insurance. Some of them absolutely will, no problem. They'll charge a little bit of an additional premium. Um, in some cases, maybe it's a sublimit. It's not full coverage, but at least it's a start better than nothing. Um, and others will say, absolutely not. You know, we won't do it, we won't add it. But getting these coverages and these quotes now are fairly simple. You know, there's one or two page applications for most industries. Um, the cyber liability and cyber coverages can start anywhere from, you know, $300 to $500 for limited policy. You know, most, most companies will pay $1,000 to $2,500, maybe up to $5,000 for that type of policy. You know, mid-sized businesses will probably be around ten, twenty, even up to $50,000. Um, you know, we're talking businesses about $50 million in revenue, you know, $25 to $50 million in revenue on the high side. Um, but when you come to the crime, you can get it for a couple hundred bucks. You know, I do some kind of associations and they have a crime policy for $200. So, you know, you could get a $50,000 limit, $100,000 limit. You can really work it in there to kind of massage the price. And, you know, while it sounds complicated, you know, when you offer these policies, it, they kind of offer them as a package applicable to each industry. So we, we help ease the pain there. Um, you know, so it, it is overwhelming, but that's the good part of the policy is if you have a claim, you have somewhere to go with it. You don't really have to worry about unwinding everything. Oh, that's, I mean, that's really refreshing. Those are fairly affordable prices and, and it's good to know that it's like, it can just be bought as a bundle. So are there any, um, I'll, I'll throw you a, a side question. Are there any industries that you see right now that you're like, you absolutely have to have these policies in place, or is it more general, like any businesses that are connected to the internet need to have the policies in place? Well, it's both. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely some key industries, you know, like the business brokers, um, attorneys, uh, mortgage brokers, title companies, anybody that are sending emails with wire instructions. You know, there's a lot of hacking systems out there and monitoring systems that look for those keywords and they people work, you know, this, this is a full-time job in other countries where they're sitting there hacking in a, an office full of people trying to get into your systems. The business brokers are a big target, you know, as well as attorneys, um, title, title agencies, mortgage brokers, uh, anybody 
sending emails that have wire instructions. You know, they have systems looking for that. They have rooms full of people in other countries, uh, you know, office full of people trying to hack your systems. So you really got to be careful. Uh, there's some really crazy things going on out there for every industry. I, you know, I know this is becoming more and more common. I just had my first claim for this this week. Uh, it's actually not a cyber claim, but someone got sued for uh, the ADA, American Disability Act, for their website not being blind compliant. So it's a big thing now. Um, that actually falls under employment practices liability for discrimination. But, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to find some overlapping coverage between the two. Maybe you need both. Uh, but that's an example, you know, where I hear some nonprofits are getting hit and companies you would never think of that are getting hit online or having problems like that. Uh, but but really anybody, you know, e-commerce retailers, people that capture their clients information, credit card information, you know, everybody's a target. Uh, one of the big insurers was just hit recently that we work with CNA and, you know, they, while they write a lot of the insurance, and I'm sure they're well covered, they had a big problem when we're out for practically three weeks with all their systems recently. So, you know, the government's been hit. I mean, everyone's vulnerable. You never know. And as the technology gets better, they get better. So, you know, the, to me, this is really peace of mind insurance. You know, I call it sleep insurance. You know, what keeps you up at night? And these are the type of things, you know, you... You can't necessarily prosecute someone overseas. The jurisdiction's not there. You just lost. So this gives you some recovery. Yeah. Yeah. So the moral of the story is if you own a business, get the insurance. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. listen, the, the, as I was suggesting earlier, the cost is commensurate with the risk. You know, sometimes you might get stuck with a minimum premium on it. But, you know, if you're in the mortgage business, you're going to pay for it because, you know, you're going to have a higher frequency of activity. But, you know, if you're just a, an online retailer with selling purses or shoes or perfume, you know, the likelihood's not as strong. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. So I think you kind of already gave us your takeaway. But so for the business owners that are listening um, to this this interview right now and they're like, Oh shoot, I don't have this coverage. Like what, what is their takeaway? What do they need to do as their first next step today? Right. So it, as simple as this, just go to your current agent and ask them, can I add this coverage? Cyber and crime. And then, and leave it at that. It's either yes or no. If they say no, then say, how do I get it? And they'll send you the applications. If they're not familiar with it, please, you could reach out to me. I'd be happy to help. Um, I don't know if I should. Yeah. I was going to say too. And if you guys, if, if anyone listening doesn't have a good agent or they feel like um, they, they need a new agent, Michael does do work nationwide. So Michael, why don't you give the listeners your contact information in case they want to talk to you further about this issue or other insurance issues? Yes, my pleasure. So uh, I'll give my email first. It's my first initial last name. So M. And then D, like David, R-A-T-H at Magaya Insurance. And it's spelled M-A-G-A-Y-A. And then insurance is spelled out. Uh, my office line, my direct line, um, which rings on my cell phone nowadays, is 
363-0497. And my cell phone is 954-873-7997. And I tell anyone, feel free to text, call, and email. You never know which one might be the most effective at that moment. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I, I in the insurance business, I understand the urgency that business owners have and need, you know, me being a business owner myself, you know, I buy the insurance for our agency, you know, and I understand the the urgency, especially working with Andy's group for so long of getting, you know, insurance ready for closings and, and the urgency sometimes of a short window, short time frame with deals that, that they call me in at the last minute. Um, but again, you know, the, I, the takeaway would be it's it's very simple, you know, just ask. And it's not very expensive. So I, everyone should have it really. I think it's a great takeaway. And it's not very expensive, right? We're not talking about thousands of dollars. So Michael, we appreciate your knowledge that you've shared with us on this episode today. We appreciate all the work that you've done for Transworld and our Transworld clients across the years. We will drop Michael's contact information into the show notes too, for anyone that wants to reach out to him. But thank you so much for joining us. And we hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is Listing of the Week, and we have Jenna Porzillo from Transworld Business Advisors of Bel Air, Maryland, with us. And Jenna, you have a franchise which are hot right now. People want to buy franchises. They want to, you know, a lot of corporate executives like franchises. And tell us about this one. Sure. So this is a nationally known franchise. So this is a Paul Davis franchise. They specialize in restoration. What's nice about this listing is the leads come automatically to you. So they work with insurance companies. So you're not out fighting for business. It comes directly to you. This one's been in business for decades. So you're walking into the epitome of turnkey. This can actually be set up as an absentee owner. So you would just need to find somebody to manage, which is nice because the franchise is gonna help with that training. You just have to find somebody who's a good fit. And then you're just making a ton of money that you have as an absentee owner. Um, it's nice they have staff that are willing to stay on. It's profitable as is, well into the 3.8 millions. So it's making the money and you can just come in and have this wonderful business. Maryland is a beautiful area. There's tri-state area. You're close to Annapolis, Baltimore, DC. If you want a beach, you have a beach. Mountains, you have mountains. Suburb city kind of offers a little bit of everything. The demographic of Maryland, the clientele, it's wonderful with government. So it's, it's a great business. If anyone has any questions, they can contact me. So yeah, what's the best way to get in touch with you? I mean, listen, that's a great business, the restoration business. I've known other franchise restoration companies, and they all seem to do well uh, these days with uh, climate change and uh, all those kind of things going on. These, we see a lot more of that activity. So what's the best way to get in touch with you? If you want to call or text me, my number is 443-694-5013. And if email's your preference, it's jporzillo at tworld.com. So that's J-P-O-R-Z-I-L-L-O. And I look forward to hearing from you. That's great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Andy. 
Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, a Colorado woman faces jail time for the hate crime of tearing up a pro-police sign. An excess of lawyers may be responsible for an excess of warning labels. And Connor takes the guess the verdict challenge. Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.